guys welcome back uh, another episode another episode of star trek prodigy today gray and i are doing another cheeky review this time season one episode 14 and it's called crossroads and i'll give my we'll actually start giving my my opinion at the end and um I'm, I'm all kind of blurring out here i really need to fix this green screen stuff with some green cloth there we go slightly better anyway right digress um Yes, uh, we. I'm going to give my review uh, after review. Sorry, I'm going to give my my score out of ten, um, and Gray will do the same. But yeah, no, I, I liked it. Another good episode. Can't really go wrong. I'm loving how the mm-hmm. story is progressing, Gray, and I think you are as well. And it's definitely yep. a, a bigger hit over Lord Dex, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it definitely is. I've been enjoying it a lot. It's yeah. closer to being a real, you know, real Star Trek, and not not even animated, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yes, it still has the Nickelodeon thing on it. It's still got the. It's not too kiddie so for me. I don't think it's too kiddie. No, it's not, yeah, when I when I first heard it was announced, I and I heard Nickelodeon was part of the production behind you it. The worst. Oh yeah, I was immediately going like, oh geez, this is going to be like for ten year olds, you know, and stuff. And but <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised that they didn't. You know, yes, they have some of the little things in there that you got to for a cartoony ish type of writing i guess we're going to call it that but they didn't slack off on lots of other things too as we have said before and we'll say again during this episode so i've been very happy with it i i much prefer it over lower decks and in, in several yeah. different re- ways even though it's a, it is different but yeah the main thing i like to lower decks is just the humor the, the, adult, yeah. the adult humor that was the main thing, the main, right. main only thing I liked about it. Apart from that, yeah, was it very good? And Doctor is... Cat, without without Tiana Cat, it would be yeah. Nice. What the beep is going on in my sick bit? Yeah, I love that Doctor. Anyway, right, we're digressing, and it's kind of what we do. Um, right, okay, so we'll kick off, Gray. We mm-hmm. literally start this uh, episode on the USS Dauntless, which I'm slowly but surely liking more, despite it being a bit of an ugly. But I am liking it more the more I see of it, the more of real Janeway on it, and seeing what our crew are all about. Um, and we got the Diviner as well, uh, slowly but surely coming back to health, and slowly but surely remembering bits of pieces here, there, and everywhere. Um, the the one thing he does remember is his daughter's name. You know, he's, a lot of other things are missed out, but it, it was great. I actually noted this here as well that. It was his daughter name that came to mind. So he needs a bit of a, I don't know, that doctor on there can't really do much for him. The Telerite, is it Telerite Doctor Gray? It is, isn't it? The guy with the yeah. tusks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so bits of information are coming slowly but surely, but he still looks a bit poorly, to be fair. Because uh, if he remembered what happened completely 100% on the spot, he'd probably kill everyone on board. Because let's not forget how powerful this guy is. And some of the skills that he's got, you know. And I'm not underestimating yeah. real Jamie and her crew, but this guy's a, a different breed. Um, so our plan for the crew, uh, all our cadets, they have to try and get in contact with Starfleet. 
Um, but they know that if they do that through regular comm channels, everything will just go to shit, basically, for want of a better word. So they decide to stash the protostar, which I love. I love this, to be honest with you, Gray. Um, they, 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 they stash it while trying to get an alternative ride uh, to Starfleet. Uh, and we'll touch on in a moment where they go and how that happens and vibes we get of different franchise franchises, which we mm-hmm. both noted down. I found that amusing. Um, they take Murph with them as well, uh, still, in its, still in his cocoon thing. So God knows what he's going to turn out to be. Uh, and then we see Dal then literally seal up the... Pro- I wonder what he was doing, because it's on a frozen planet, isn't it? Um, yeah. And he literally just... You know, like an ice sheet above the protostar uses his phaser, thinking it's a bit. I know it's a kid show again, but I'm thinking just one phaser blast above causes all that ice well, to cover up. But we'll, we'll go. I'll let it slide, Gary. I'll let it slide, man. See what I done. I there? mean, he just he did use it to start an avalanche of snow, did, and t- supposedly in real life, you don't need much to make an avalanche if it's you know. Say sure that lives in way, Florida with no ice or snow. <laughs> Well, you remember the old, even on the old uh, cartoon shows and stuff, they used to go, oh, an avalanche, if you, you know, go, if you yell too loud, uh, the whole thing is going to come uh, down on you, which of course isn't quite true, but. Uh, I said, I said, well, let it slide, Gray, and, you, and uh, it was a pun that I didn't mean, and you did pick up on it. Oh, well, moving well, I, on. Yeah, I get so, it. That's how bad the comedy is in here. Oh, by the way, if, you, if people start thinking out there going like, oh my God, they hit an entire starship. Well, let's remember the protostar. It's small. Well, not small. It, it, not small, small. It isn't very big. It's bigger than it's the like... Defiant, but as we'll touch on later on, it's definitely right. smaller than the Dauntless by quite a bit. Um, it's a Defiant 1.5 in size only, may I add people. Um, I mean, if they tried to hide, to hide the Dauntless, it would have been almost impossible. The thing is huge. Several, so. several phaser blasts. <laughs> and even then. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a good point, Greg. It's a good thing you brought that up, actually, because otherwise it really wouldn't work. Um, so as the cadets are walking along the frozen wilderness, uh, my man Jankum says that royalty can't travel any lower than warp five. I don't know why he calls himself royalty, but I like that. He's a bit of a comedian. He keeps on saying that ever, ever since he found out that Tellarite was one of the first founding races. He's, That's why he's saying he's royalty. Like, yeah. yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Royalty. So he's, uh, he brings that up almost every other show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gray does note here that funny how we just talk about why the crew didn't just take another ship or taxi to Starfleet. It is a good point. It took this long for them to come up with that idea. But then again, yeah. I guess they're kids and cadets, so... Or no, cadets would come up with that idea. They're trained to be intelligent and smart, but they're kids, so we'll let, we'll let them off with that one. But it is a good point, Gray. Yeah, um, gotta let it slide a little. And the point we brought up of other franchises here, Gray did mention. What, what, what franchise did the, this scene and scenes remind us of, Gray, that you noted below? Yeah, we, it, it was kind of Star Wars-y's because you, you saw them <laughs> approaching a transportation hub in the middle of all this frozen wasteland, and they start mentioning it's a town full of smugglers and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, then, but, 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 let's, but I do want to step back on that a little Bill bit. Bill of riffraff, you, you said, did, you, I quote. Well, even though I mentioned it looks kind of like Star Wars, I do want people to, to remember that if you really think about it and you go for the, and you look at the scenes that I are out of Star Wars, what were they doing? They were ripping off movies coming that came before them that weren't science fiction, but S- used Star the Trek same came trope. first. Star Trek came first. Right. And but but despite that, even the old westerns used to use the same kind of trope about the riffraff town. Yeah. I mean, this is not something that Borrowing is you know, okay. 
Exactly. So it's fine. It's not like they stole it from Star Wars, unless you want to say, well, Star Wars stole it from an old Western. I mean, yeah, it's but, part of what they do, you know. Boron's okay. Plagiarizing is different. Like stealing sure, and sure. not giving any credit or over-borrowing is, is not sure. cool. So yeah, I, I don't have a problem doing that. And if you think about it, of course all this stuff's going to happen in Star Trek as well. A lot of it that happens in... Uh, uh, in Star Trek will happen in Star Wars and vice versa. It's just I like to think Starfleet and the Federation and the Star Trek universe is a bit more civilized. I'm going to probably start right, a war and, between. And like the two you said, they're first going way back to the '60s. They're one of the first that ever even imagined what a space station and space dock and other things would look like. Yeah. So it goes quite a bit back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I give credit to all of them actually. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, we we then get to this Star Warsy type outpost in the middle of nowhere, uh, and then we have a random dodgy looking captain who Gray notes down for me. His name is Captain O'Connor. Just you know, he looks like a poor man's Han Solo or a better man's Han yeah. Solo. Depends. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to get two another Star Wars reference going. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, after <laughs> after three, we get we get kicked off our own podcast. I think Gray. So. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, he does. He looks like Poor Man San Solo. Uh, it is a bit of a crappy-looking ship, like a freighter-type thing. Um, the crew are trying to get right off him for a price. Nothing's free uh, because it's outside Starfleet and the Federation. Millennium uh, Falcon. I'm oh, sorry. What are you saying? <laughs> I said I'm Millennium saying? Falcon. No, sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I'll, get, I'll, say, I'll say many things, but that's an insult <laughs> to Millennium Falcon, to be fair. Um no, it was a crappy looking freighter, but uh, yeah. literally, uh, what, what I found interesting here was this. I knew this this Captain O'Connor guy was dodgy right off the bat, and it was proven wrong when he's then caught with contraband in his his vehicle. And this is something I want to talk about about here, Gray, when I get to the end of this point. Mm-hmm. Um, he's caught by the Zindi. Now, uh, Gray, did you watch all five seasons of Star Trek Enterprise before I continue? Uh, when did you start? Star Trek Enterprise? Yeah. Oh, Enterprise. I watched the first few episodes of season one and said, no. Right. And that was okay. the end of that. You might have an idea of what's what. So I'm going to fill this But, but I've heard of the Zindi, of course. Yeah. I, I mean, that much I, I do know. So, spoiler alert for those that haven't watched Enterprise because it ties in with us. So, the Zindi are a major species stroke bad guy threat in season three of Enterprise. And they literally send a tiny probe to Earth to blow up a big chunk of Florida, actually, Grace. So sorry about that, mate. No. Uh, <laughs> Seven million people died. Grace survived, though, thankfully. Um, and they were told by these futuristic spear builders from the future that the Federation were a threat. It was just the spear builders trying to prevent the Federation from ever existing because they were a threat to their existence. And they basically built these big spears that transformed space to their liking. wasn't good for normal other human-type races, you know, so... Um, and then they build a big, massive, massive planet-killing version of this thing to try and take it out. And, of course, Archer and the crew save the day. But the Zindi are the bad guys here, and they have several subspecies. There's, like, three, four of them or something. One of them are those guys that you see, Gray, the, the insectoids. Um, now, the confusing thing is here, at one point, there's time travel shenanigans in Star Trek Enterprise season, well, a few seasons, actually, and there's like futuristic police that come into it, uh, the time agency or something. And 
you see at one point what the Enterprise J looks like, and bear with me, guys, I'm going somewhere with this point. It looks but ugly, and Gray's probably seen what it looks like at the moment. They've literally done it really, really quickly. I hope it never yeah, comes like to Yeah, that's like the one with the really long, they Yeah, and, and the stuff. perfect circle, and, <laughs> like, and it's been squashed, yeah. and it's flat, yeah. It's yeah. not nice. So I hope if they ever get that far with Star Trek and Enterprises, they just skip over J like they did with B and C, to an extent, especially C. Um, so you see them in, in the future, and the Zindi are then part of the Federation, right? But at this point, I didn't think this had happened. I really didn't. And, and now I'm, I'm going to give credit. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the writers that this must have just been about. I'm not saying the Zindi are part of the Federation at the moment. They probably aren't, but they're certainly on peaceful terms. Uh, right, right. So, right. so I think that's. Or they, have, or they have agreements with, or you know, yeah, typical, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't sharing think, of this or that. I don't think the planet or the species are, are part of the Federation, but like, yeah, let's say they have a working relationship, as we'll get to later on when Vice Admiral Jamie asks for a favor from the Zindi. Uh, so, yeah, that's who the Zindi are. They come in, they catch this contraband from Captain O'Connor's ship, they take him away. No ride for our cadets yet. Uh, and then, <laughs> then we see. The weird guy from the relay station who Barnes Frex now I've spelt his name wrong so Gray uh, corrected that for me. Um, he's just got such a he's a dodgy character, weird guy. Looks after his own skin. Uh, he's even got a weird sounding name. Um, likes to brag a lot. He likes to brag a lot. Yeah, he is. He is a just a little ugly, arrogant little dude. Um, he's ignoring hails from the Dauntless because you see his um, his uh, jacket. With the com badge on it, just beeping away, and he's he's bragging and you know talking shit basically uh, to to the guys down there. Um, and real Janeway on the Dauntless is a bit pissed at this stage. She's a bit pissed off because no one ignores Janeway. You know, don't mess with Janeway. You ignore her yeah. at your peril. Uh, so they beam down to investigate. Um, Gray notes here. You loved how they're slowly but surely building the tension in this episode. So. More good writing from your point of view, Gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just you can you can see them trying to start to roll the attention up, you know, harder and faster as it's going along. So as I'm watching at this point, I'm going like, "Ooh, this is kind of cool." And so I'm hoping they kind of keep the the ball rolling, which they did. So we'll talk about. Yeah, they do slowly but surely. You don't want to give it give it all to us at the same time because then it's over and done with, uh, nor do you want to bore the hell out of us so that they are pacing it beautifully, to be fair. So, uh, yeah, so we then, after this, uh, at this stage, the the Andorian crew member of the Dauntless, who I uh, later find out is actually real Janeway's, Vice Admiral Janeway's number one. Uh, he actually comes into his, he comes into his element more later in episode as not just in our number one, but pretty strong willed uh, number one and I kinda like this guy. Um yeah. he <laughs> he literally walks right past Rock um as she's kinda chilling out and this'll happen a lot with a lot of these cadet ga- uh, crew passing by several of Janeway's crew. Because Janeway's obviously she's in the hunt for this crew. She's in the hunt for the proto star. She's getting close um, really, really close, as we'll, we'll discuss in a minute. Um, She's the, still trying to find Chakotay, too. Still trying to find Chakotay, and I hope, I, hope, I hope Chakotay comes back into it again at some point. It better not just be a one-off, because I do I like have him. to now. I mean, 
Yeah. yeah otherwise, it's. Uh, I mean, they've they've set it up. If they don't have them come back, that would be awfully dumb. It would I'm be sure dumb. It's... It'd be bad writing. It'd be poor form. Yeah. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, and then we have another bumping in of the crew. Well, this time we have uh, the Dauntless Doctor, the Tellerite Doctor, uh, bumping into Jankum Polk, or Jankum Polk bumping into him. Uh, and and he actually, <laughs> this was a bit of an insult. I like this, though. He's like, Pog, really? He's like, you know, you, you're, getting, you're not royalty because he just, and Jankum classes themselves royalty. He said, no, no, Pog is reserved for, for runts of the species, you know? Um, and Gray actually notes here as well, um, Rock accidentally scares a local. Um, what's it, what's it, she said, hey, bud, don't judge me because I'm big. Um, yeah. I mean, you forget how big Rock is, though, don't you? Like, that would be intimidating yeah, to a lot of people. She's huge, right. And this person just looks at him and goes, ah, drops and runs away. And he says, hey, bud, don't judge me just because I'm big. <laughs> hey, bud. <laughs> That's uh, cute. Do you know who Rock reminds me of a little bit, Gray? Uh, the thing from the Fantastic Four movies. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Glad we think the same in yeah, that definitely. as well. Um, so, yeah, the Dauntless Doctors literally ripped Jankum a new one, made him feel awful. I felt a bit sorry for my guy. The thing is, Jankum Pog doesn't know much about his species because he mm. must have been taken at such a young age and put in that prison from the first part of season one. So, he doesn't know he's learning. Um, so after being ripped a new one by the Doctor, uh, we then have another bumping out of the crew. I mean, it's it's the worst game of hide-and-seek ever, really, um, <laughs> if you think about Era. it. <laughs> uh, this time, this one's a bit, little bit better. We we then have Gwen uh, running into the, one of the Dauntless Ensigns, and she reveals her name is... what? It, Gwen's a short name. Is it Gwendella? Is that her full name, Gray? I think it's Gwendella, yeah. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, no wonder everyone short, shortens that to Gwen. I don't like Gwendella. Uh, and that's when Ensign click, clicks on, oh, oh, you're Gwen, after hearing the Diviner mention her name on the Dauntless. Uh, things are starting to click and fit together nicely. Uh, the proverbial is about to hit the fan. But when, she, when the Ensign says that uh, on the ship... Uh, as her father, she just the fear in her eyes. She was like, oh, she literally just makes a run for it and gets away right. from the ensign. And at this point, you're thinking, Gray, it's just it's about to kick off, and the diviners maybe going to come out, and there's going to be a big fight. But no, at this stage, we don't see the diviner yet. Um, Gray does note something here in a moment that she'll touch on. Um, in fact, I'll just let you mention it at the moment, actually. Uh, you, you're talking about the tension ramping up again. Um, yeah, as they, yeah, as they keep getting into these issues with bumping into Starfleet people and not and everything going south, kind of, from what they expected. Did, did you like that we're bumping uh, into each other so easily and so much, though? I thought that was a bit too much. No? Yeah, I, probably, but again, 24 minutes, they got to move things yeah. along. <laughs> so you kind of like let that one go, but but the point is, is, I really like the idea of that every time they did this, or they either bumped into or saw another Starfleet officer, it starts to go the opposite of what they thought. They thought it was going to be, oh, this is going to be great, and talk to Starfleet, and we're going to be wonderful, and everything will be a big family, and it's all going badly south. And so the yeah. tension's building and building and building, and I'm sitting there, I like it, because I'm sitting there thinking to myself right now, What's going to happen now? Because they got to get out of this situation, and I'm—I want to clearly at this point, I'm waiting for the 
the writers are taking the right direction because you start feeling bad for the crew because every time they turn around, they can't do anything right. And it really isn't their fault. So you, you really feel bad and they can't really say too much or they, or maybe they might say too little or too much. They, they're totally confused. So I really like the idea of it just really starting to build up to something's going to explode. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I just, and I guess we will touch on this. Of course we will, but you know, the point we're about to, in fact, let, let's just cover this point and then we'll, we'll discuss it more in depth because mm-hmm. it's pretty much what I was going to bring up. Um, it seems like I mentioned here. It does seem that the Proto Star crew are easily bumping into these people. That these people, the Dauntless crew. But I guess it is a small facility, so so there is this. Our, our last bumpy, if you like, uh, is Dal. Dal bumps into Vice Admiral Janeway. Uh, is great. Uh, is great calls her. I'm just gonna call her real Janeway. Um, and then we both noted uh, the Voyager theme music. Just a little bit came on there. Uh, and we were both very, very happy with this, Gray. Or were we not? Oh yeah, it, it's you kind of like got to listen closely because you miss it. But basically, it was right there, and that, that's the thing that you and I always enjoy because if you're gonna do some type of, you know, homage thing to previous Trek stuff, you gotta it slip probably. it in somewhere. And this was slipped in very nicely and very subtly, and you just that's heard what she the. Said. The, the the theme for a few seconds and it was enough those few seconds were just like brought you right back to the original series immediately yeah and uh in the open of the original series which uh in my opinion at that time uh voyager being what the fourth series after deep space nine was also the last series of the good sounding soundtrack opens because right after that, they go to Enterprise and they do this god-awful, horrible opening yeah. that makes yeah. no sense whatsoever. So this is one of the last ones. <laughs> and if you guys haven't seen this, I'll just drop a little thing. I, I, don't, I can't give you the, 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 uh, uh, the link right now. But in YouTube, there's a, guy, there's a fellow. And there's a lot of people out there that do I can add that into really wonderful guys. stuff. But this guy, but yeah, in the description, take a look at it. We'll put the link. And anyway, he did a 4K remade. Mm. opening of Voyager complete with great soundtrack of uh, the original theme music and then just redid the entire opening in beautiful 4K and like wow he done DS9 is that well, look good okay. and he did DS9 too and both of them look like so good you, you can just imagine if they were able to uh, go back and bring and uh, and you know upgrade those episodes oh, which don't, maybe don't. one day they will but no. you know I don't know if it's ever going to happen but maybe one day well, I think we discussed but, this wow. at one point yeah I would love that it looks so good, but check that out. You'll see it in the description. Of course, no, I'll add that in because Gray makes the point. It's fantastic. We have covered the whole Voyager and DS9 and, and 4K before. I would love it. There's good reasons why they can't. I understand why they can't, but I won't accept it um, just because I'm right. that kind of guy. Um, but yeah, so... so well, the th- yeah, Gray? To go on with the point, because as I was going, is Dal, I thought, was so cool because he was so impressed with Jane. Like, he was like um, somebody meeting their favorite movie star for the first time. Or something. He's just like, uh, but, uh, you know, like that's like really her. Um, and I just like the dialogue. They had a short piece of dialogue before Janeway knew knows who he really is. Yeah. And he was talking about joining, you know, Starfleet, and she was telling him her own feelings and and emotions about what to a question that Dahl had asked her, yeah. which is really interesting. And then in one sentence, it was really interesting. Another little quickie homage. Uh, Admiral Janeway, Vice Admiral Janeway says, "In Starfleet, you make it so." Boom, oh, you can't rip off someone else's slogan, man. 
So a little throwback to Picard but, and TNG, we, which we, is cool. We got we we've now got uh, Admiral Picard now uh, filing a lawsuit with whomever he has to for his slogan <laughs> being taken. Um, no, a very powerful, really strong moment. Like Grace says, you could tell how much in awe um, Dallas of Jane May. And the reason, I mean, he does bump into her, but it's more accidentally because he's walking past and Jane May right. hits her comm badge to take a, a call, for want of a better uh, phrase. I mean, here's the voice. And he's like, ah, and that's when the music comes on, turns around. So, no, it was a beautiful little moment. I absolutely loved it. Um, now, this is the confusing part. Uh, Dal at this uh, he can't let basically Dal can't let slip who he is because he's about to open his mouth and say what's what, um, and I'm basically confused as to as to why. I mean, every one of the crew members pretty much has bumped into someone, and the whole point of them doing this was to speak to bloody someone in Starfleet. They don't know at this stage that they're getting chased down, uh, and and they don't know that they are actually. Bastard fugitives, um, and the bad guys at this stage. So, Gray, in your opinion, why the hell do you think they're not just going, ah, Jamie, this is the reason, but please don't go on that ship because game over if you do. Explain it. I don't know. The only thing I could think of or I could put it down as an excuse for is a couple of things. Number one is that he was so in awe of her, he really didn't think at the time of blurting out what he needed to blurt out, or at least in time. And unfortunately, it got to be too late and things started going south again. The other reason is maybe if you want to push it a little bit is, again, they are kids. They're and not they were adult, scared, adult, or... adult. Right, exactly. Yeah. So they're not going to think tire, entirely logically. They're going to think more with their emotions because they're, they're young. And, and experience as well. Right. So I can kind of knock that off kind of, you know, for that reason, I guess. You know, I'm not nice. gonna. Well, I'm not giving him a total. I'm not giving him a total uh, ticket, but you know, not, not maybe, too, maybe if they des- maybe if they describe what's going on at this stage, it maybe ends the season a bit too quickly, possibly. So maybe they are just trying to spin it out. Oh yeah, well, there is that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only thing I mentioned here that I thought really was out of character and really should have been taken out, edited out. In other words, not even shown. Mm-hmm. Was the part where Dahl is hiding, listening to uh, Vice Admiral Janeway talking about what's going on? So he figures he would eavesdrop a little bit and try to listen. And then they said it. And then Barnes Flex mentions about, you know, oh, you know, and then and the was it, my whole station started fighting against against itself. And why would they do things like that? And, and all of a sudden, Dahl yells out. Maybe they had good intentions. Meaning he's trying to speak up for his Idiot. side. Idiot. Just silly because you know what it is. Uh, and I hear this, and I'm going like, that's so dumb. Yeah. First of all, you're never going to say that. Yeah. And if you are going to say that, Janeway just kind of like hears it in the distance, and then she just goes back to the conversation like, like yeah. it was nothing. I'm like, I stayed up, but like after him, he's over there. You know, that's yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, that's. I'm like, what doesn't make sense at all? I mean, that's <laughs> dumb. Yeah, no. You know, and and I, and I know I've done this before, and I don't mean to do it again, but it's true. And yes, I, you do. It, it, we're back to the, the cartoony trope thing where you got to put something stupid in once in a while because that's the way the cartoons do it. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I'm not giving them an excuse. I don't think it should have been put in. It was very awkward. But every once in a while, you see this drop in, and you just start, oh, God, cartoon thing again. And it happens again later. We'll point it out. Yeah. Um, Grace, slightly 
jumped ahead just slightly. Um, mm-hmm. The reason this came about, because uh, Baroness Frex is actually then caught up with Janeway at this point, and he's at, at this point then describing the crew to Janeway so that, you know, she she knows what to look for. It's when he goes, oh, yeah, doesn't say Dal, but basically describes Dal as kind of pink with a little bit of hair flicking at the sides or whatever it was. Then she goes... And then realizes and sees yeah. him running away, and then that's a case of the proverbial red alert. Let's let's get after these guys. Um, but yeah, so uh, moving on, um, our our big gal Rock makes a brilliant remark about uh, all the crew <laughs> meeting Starfleet and not mentioning the deadly weapon, uh, which yeah. I found hilarious. Very important, Rock. Yes, yeah, thank you. So she's a smart one. She's our she's our science officer, I guess. So, well, just... I like I like the fact that the writers kind of said, well, since we said something dumb, or since we kind of acted dumb because maybe we're kids, somebody has to say something about it eventually, and she did. So that was actually very good. It was yeah appropriately put in there, going like, dummies, didn't you think about this before you? Uh... Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> One line of of dialogue fixes canon fixes fixes so much in star trek yeah. and it covers your asses as well so yeah i'm glad yep. you've done that um so yeah but we both we both agreed that definitely rocks making sense this episode she's a smart one for sure uh, the crew uh do make it out uh just and no more uh and then they're on the run Again, for the last third time, I think we're probably banned off our own podcast now, uh, on the Star Wars-type speedsters that they have. That's the best way to describe them. They're a bit chonkier than that, but they're the same thing. Chop, great. <laughs> uh, they, 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 as they're bombing along on their speedsters, if I want to have a better phrase, uh, they find uh, Captain O'Connell on there. Uh, he's hiding out. I think he was trying to make a break for it. <laughs> Stowing away in... Whatever that was, there's space below, you know. The, yeah. The, I, didn't know he, I didn't even know they could fit somebody in there. Either did I. I went, there he is. How skinny is this guy, you know? Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, they, they find him in here and he's like, oh, this is a bit awkward, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, and the only way they can get away from the other speedsters that are chasing him, because uh, at this point, uh, sorry, I should probably add just before this point, uh, Jane Weed. Vice Admiral Jamie does call in a favour to the Zindi security forces to lock down the place. But of course, that's how they just get out no more as the doors are closing. The Zindi are chasing them, Captain O'Connell stashing away. But the only way they can actually get away from the other speedsters is to use some dodgy looking fuel that's banned in most of the galaxy. Well, of course, it's getting more bloody Star Wars than it is Star Trek this episode, if you ask me. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that, that, that goes back to some of those the old the old uh, uh, car movies where they used to have the nitrous oxide and you just flip a switch and all of a sudden it's not fast and the furious, Graham. It's turning into bloody. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's turning into it's turning into the Kelvin universe where it's oh, hot rod enterprises and. Uh... Remember that the thing that I, I thought was, or or I think that explains this a little bit is they just got done sm- telling you that this this transportation hub has lots of smugglers going in and out. One yeah. thing about smugglers is they're they're pretty smart when it comes to figuring out little ways to sit there and evade the authorities. So, it's not beyond the fact that these things would pop up. And this guy and this guy, the captain, at least is not a dummy and he knows some of these little tricks. 
you know, so he's kind of like, and then of course Pog is going like, you know, oh yeah, let's, this stuff looks great. You're right. Who's so they the, stick it in, and all of a sudden, supercharged. So, so <laughs> they stick it in, and it's supercharged. I agree. Okay. Uh, who's the Whatever smartest? Was. Who's the smartest smuggler in the universe? Do you think? Uh, no, we it's don't want to mention Star kinda, Wars. It's kind of a trick question. Who do you think? Who do you think it is? The smartest smuggler in the universe? Han Solo, of course. Eh. Captain Malcolm yeah. Leeds of the Firefly. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. that goes. Because yeah. everyone will just say Han Solo. It's just too easy. Malcolm Reed, for those, if you're watching this and you haven't watched Firefly, pause this. Stop it. Come back and watch it later. Go watch Firefly. It's only yeah. one season. It is one of the best sci-fi shows ever made. Uh, and if you don't know about and they're it... they're supposed to be rebooting it, but I've heard that many what? times. What? Okay, that's for your entertainment pod, Greg. My mind's just been blown. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked now. I don't either. And I'm sure that it's <sighs> none of the cast is going to be too... They're going to be too old. They'll make, they'll make guest appearances if they ever do do it. But I've heard this story so many times. So we'll uh, Yeah, we'll right. We'll, we'll move on before I get too sad and emotional. Yep. Um, right. So uh, the guys, the, the cadets, the, 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 the run back to the Protostar um, with, the, with the dodgy freight captain, Captain O'Connell. I don't know why he's just joining them all of a sudden, but whatever. Maybe it comes clear. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mentioned here... Um, I got major vibes of uh, Star Trek Voyager. I mean, more more than once through the the episode, but especially now from season five, episode six, titled "Timeless." Uh, that's the one, if you recall, that the that's when they start using the slipstream drive for the first time on the Voyager, and they crash the ship, killing almost everyone aboard. And then they do a bit of time travel stuff, blah blah blah. But the Voyager is found under the ice in an ice planet. So we've now got the protostar in its place, frozen, well not frozen, it was hiding under the ice. Little escape hatch, Dal flicks a switch, they drop down. Um, and then the protostar, and this is cool, I love scenes like this when I see this, uh, animated yeah. or not. Protostar breaks up through the ice, uh, looking real Jamie's face, or John really hits the ground, like, wow, there it is, it was right under my nose the whole bloody time. <laughs> Uh, and then, what did she say, Greg? Like, beam us up, get me back to that Dauntless as soon oh, as yeah, possible. Oh, yeah, immediately. Yeah. We are He's like, she didn't waste any time. He goes, Dauntless, beam us up, like, yeah. now. Gray mentions that real Janeway is pretty pissed off at this stage. No wonder. Jamie doesn't like to be taken for a mug. And this is what some kids are literally running rings around her at this stage. <laughs> they really are. And I love it. Um, <laughs> And we both and they do that to us adults all the time now. <laughs> oh yeah, this is true. Yeah, this is true. So it's accurate then. Um, we we mentioned this before, but um, you do see uh, the Dauntless um, up against the Protostar. Should I say the Protostar up against the Dauntless? And I'm getting vibes here of many different scenes of many different, mainly the Star Trek movies, where you see a smaller ship like the Kelvin universe where you see the Enterprise up against that big dreadnought-type Constitution class or the Enterprise-E up against the Scimitar and that kind of music comes on. I've got the same yeah. vibes as this because Grey, the Protostar, is probably, at best, I think, being generous, half its size. Did you love that that part of that particular oh, scene? Oh, yeah. I think it was even uh, it was much bigger than even that. It almost looked like uh, the yeah. Dauntless was an aircraft carrier compared to a tugboat. 
<laughs> so it was kind of like, well, that's pretty small. I would, you I, know, would... I don't, I don't know if they've ever said, or maybe I just haven't really realized uh, what the supposed full complement of crew would be for the protostar, because the only crew that's on it are the seven or so cadets and hologram Janeway. So basically, does that mean that the protostar was designed to run with far less crew plus more AI help? I guess. A good point. It's a good point because is Dakota kind of taking it out on a? He's taking right. it out on a kind of shakedown cruise to actually go back to the Delta Quadrant to right some wrongs that the Voyager and their crew made when they were over there. So I think it is minimum staff grey. And maybe at one point we'll, we'll go back and we'll, we'll cover the Protostar and like other ships. I mean, there are mm. other channels out there and people that um, review the ships and they do comparisons as well uh, against one another. So it gives you an idea. But yeah, they're, they're tiny in comparison, really. Let's say a bit bigger than Defiant, but the Dauntless is a full-blown size starship. Um, and it probably would smash right. it up in a fight, to be fair. So, uh, But we'll get to how the Protostar actually can hold its own a little bit against uh, the Dauntless. So, um, so yeah, let's say uh, Vice Admiral Jamie's pissed off here. She literally tells him to chase after uh, the Protostar. Um, it, when the chase is happening, Gray, I noticed it looked like they were in a slipstream stream or right. a transwarp conduit because of that kind of tunnel effect. Uh, right. But they're not because uh, Jankum actually notes that they're, and he says it with very smug, you know, like, well, we're actually, we're at warp 9.975 or something like that. Uh, and I'm thinking, they're still at warp? Why they in a, I mean, it's a minor thing. I know it's a small thing, but I pick up yeah. things like that because I'm a sad geek. I don't know. Um, uh, and no, then, we're, we're very happy geeks. Well, sad, no, happy, yeah, okay. You know I, know, I know, you know, I know. I know, I know. You're winding me up. Uh, we we notice that this Jankum's trying to get the the um, the proto drive to work, the proto star drive to work, and it's taking forever. And Gray just mentions here, maybe it was cold. I should just kick him <laughs> right off, right off the bat. My God, I had I had to say it. You man. Had to just, say you know. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess I, what we're learning apparently is that the proto drive needs. A ramp up or something yeah you can't just to... hit go it needs to build up yeah right yeah. and obviously it's building up as they're trying to get away so you don't actually see it you know i mean you're, st you're seeing the slipstream but you don't see the proto drive yet because it hasn't kicked in oh, know, at least not yet maybe the dauntless wasn't a slipstream but there's different levels and speeds of it obviously and well i'm i'm gonna assume although we don't know this is that maybe Maybe the protostar was slipstreaming as well. It's just that the protostar has uh, it. It was in front of it, like the Voyager right. episode. So, right. So it was doing slipstream too, uh, which I think is what was happening. But it has the extra afterburner, so to speak, of the proto drive, if and when they get it going. If if you remember that episode of Voyager, Timeless Gray, the the Delta flyer goes in front. Mm -hmm. To uh, it doesn't have its own slipstream. It's riding off Voyager slipstream. I think if right. anything here, the Protostar's riding off their slipstream along with its own power because the Proto Drive hasn't kicked in yet here. I mean, there's a little small things, just things I noticed. Yeah. Um, but it was still entertaining enough to watch. Um, we then we then have uh, the Diviner. He's kind of 
hobbling about still a bit. I mean, this guy's been ill for the longest bloody time, it seems. But he's, <laughs> I know, it does. He really does. Like, third episode, he's still man down. Uh, but he sees through one of the viewing windows, he sees uh, the protostar in front of the Dauntless. Uh, and that's when he, he says, protostar, you know, things are coming back to him. Um, <laughs> we then switch to the bridge of the protostar, and a nasty whiff has came across the bridge crew and we're wondering at this stage which member of the crew has farted and not told anyone. Right. Uh turns out it was Mur <laughs> turns out it was Murph. He's hatched. The little shit is hatched and we don't know where he is. So everyone's looking under consoles and stuff. Whereas and then he literally um pops out from the side and he's bipedal. He's not sliming along like a slug. He's walking about he looks yeah, he's got the legs and the arms reformed. But he still acts the same, he still sounds the same, and they, they give each other a hug, and yay, it's great. But what does Murph do, Gray? Do you want to tell the next part of the story? What does Murph do? Yeah, so Murph, Murph is like, you know, after being all happy and Rock is hugging him <laughs> and her, it, whatever. Um, he gets over by the console, he decides he wants to sit down, so what does he do? He jumps up on the console and lands his butt right on, on top of the console, which launches a torpedo at the Dauntless. And, you know, Trev was saying, whoops, and I'm going, classic cartoon gimmick. It's, it's right out of the textbook of Looney Tunes and other, other cartoons. You're always going to do something dumb like this at the yeah. last second. And, of course, he sits on that, and it gets fired, and the Dauntless is like, what the hell? They're firing on us. You know, like, okay. And then managed to whoa, whoa. shoot. Yeah. I'm just saying, we're going along with that because... Part of the oh yeah, you yeah, know that was funny. It was funny. I was thinking it's dumb, but it's funny. Yeah, it's a typical uh, cartoon trope, as as Gray yeah. said. I'm not complaining about that. It's more the next part where the Dauntless gets its shields up just in time, and I'm thinking, a why the hell was it should be yellow alert when something like this is happening? Gray mentions obviously maybe they just didn't feel they were that hostile, which yeah, I can buy because they're just kids. They know they're kids at this stage, but you know, like a torpedo's fired at you. You have then time to put shields up that quickly. Torpedoes are pretty fast. But yeah, again, nitpicking, you know, the the shields go Maybe, up. But, uh, they would be as fast as a phaser, though. So phaser's you, almost instant. That's true, because it's, it's almost tra traveling at speed of light, isn't it? Light, um, right. Did you notice, though, when the shield... Do you know the shield effect in this... Uh, I like the shield effect in this uh, series, Grey. It's kind of like the, the bubble effect, but it looks like little hexagon squares all over it. It just, it looks more like a shield, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. Little... It was trying to protect and break up whatever yeah. was happening. Um, so, yeah, Dauntless gets its shields up in time, but there's no... Any, oh, oh, by the way, I, I digress a little bit, but isn't it fun to watch, like, the ship get fired on and it doesn't blow up, like, in lower decks? <laughs> yes! For no, once... No ships were trashed in this incident. <laughs> that is a good point. Gray makes a good point. Um... Uh, no ships were trashed over and over again. Um, one torpedo didn't make rocks fall out of the bulkheads. That seems to be a thing with Star Trek. Because there's a guy on, on YouTube, and you'll probably know who he is if you watch Star Trek videos, that he's just he just points them out. He's like, rocks, arrows, why are the rocks in bulkheads in Star Trek? <laughs> and it says, it's, it's, that's a poor, stupid thing. Really, I don't care if you even go back to the 60s, they could have found something else to put in there. But anyway, right, so we notice little silly things like that because that's just Grey and I. Um, but yeah, so coming, closing in on the end of the episode at this stage, um, the Diviner has actually brought, well, he comes to the, the Dauntless Bridge with one of the officers, 
uh, and says that his daughter's on board uh, because he sees a protostar. It, it reminds him of his daughter. He puts two and two together, and this time, actually, thankfully, gets four. Uh, Real Jamie, at this point, does say that's why she's only going to cripple them as opposed to taking them out, which I thought was a bit harsh. But she's pissed off at this stage. She knows their kids. Yeah. But she says, we'll just cripple them instead. We'll take out their third in a cell. Because if you think about it, it is in a cell. This proto-drive at the end is in a cell what it actually does. It's just mm. super, super charged. Um, and that's a whole new com- another conversation of how the hell the bloody proto-star really properly works great. Um, but she literally fires a torpedo at them just as it's about to hit proto-drive and bomb forward. Because I think, I think they can just about escape uh, the Dauntless and Slipstream. Uh, with their proto drive, I think it might be a lot, little bit faster because it's more of an initial massive jump, whereas the Dauntless is just steady but fast. Um, but right. we're being a bit technical and, and nitpicky, aren't we? Um, so yeah, it takes out the third of the cell, they start drifting a little bit there, they can't escape, they're back in normal space. Um, the uh, freighter captain, uh, O'Connell again asks how far the neutral zone is. But Hollow Janeway says, no, we, we, we just can't go in and explains why, because to these kids, they don't know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My man Jankum says, what's the big deal? It says it right on the tin. It's neutral. <laughs> it's neutral. Like, you know, it's, he's got a point. The boy has got a point. Um, I used to always wonder about that, too, when I first heard about the neutral zone. It's I'm a bad like, title. So if it's neutral, why can't you go in it as long as you get back out, you know? Yeah, and it's and like, I always wondered like how I I mean I know it's probably in lore somewhere, but I don't know how wide or large the neutral zone is. My guess is it's got to be bloody big, you know, a certain amount of kilometers, you know, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but that's always been that's always been the thing in, in Star Trek. Oh, don't get too close. Now we're entering. Oh no, we got to get right yeah, out. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> it's here. We are again. For me, of course, we diverge, but for me. I know without the neutral zone, we wouldn't have some of the best episodes of Star Trek ever made, but the neutral zone is not required in Star Trek. It's really not. You have a border. See, we have borders between countries with a short of the DMZ between, say, North and South Korea. Right. You don't need it. You just have a bloody border. No one crosses unless you have a nice border control officer that lets you pass, but that's not going to happen this season. So a lot, a lot right. of space is taken up for nothing that no one's using. So, But I, I'm not complaining, just nitpicking... You know, we kind of need it for good Star Trek uh, storytelling. Um, so, at this stage here, um, I note here that the Romulan resettlement must not be a thing at this stage because obviously this is happening in Star Trek Picard's uh, times. So, it must be not long before the shit hits the fan with Romulan Star Empire because then the neutral zone isn't really a thing in the future after that. Uh, which is maybe a good thing. I got what I wanted, and I got good storytelling mm-hmm. at the same time, Gray. Um, but as we, I was, as we... I, was, I, was, I was kind of wondering about that too. I'd have to go back and look at the timeline. Must be, but I know that because if if the timeline is the way we think it should be, yeah. then the neutral zone makes sense. If it's not, then we would have to question as to why maybe the, is the neutral zone still relevant or not. Um, I'm not really sure, but but if but if Romulan, I mean, it's not like the Romulans are all gone; they just no. have to relocate. So they probably still look at it as being their side of space. So even if it is after the resettlement, it could still be the no, fact of course, that it's a neutral. 
you know, neutral zone, etc. It could be, and I don't know for sure, so I'm not going to say it's fact, but I, I just generally think it is before the resettlement uh, yeah. when they're moved about. But you're right, they could essentially still want their own space, even though they're not. Because I can't remember where they got relocated different places, so mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that space is still their own thing. But anyway, um, another reason, uh, the last part of the, the review here that I mentioned, I think it is before the resettlement, is because uh, at this point, uh, Vice Admiral Janeway is going to pursue the protostar into the neutral zone, which we've seen happen in Star Trek before, um, sure. even if it means war. Uh, her number one, the the uh, not the tail right, the Andorian, Andorian uh, yeah. says we can't. He can't follow her orders because it could mean to war. Gray mentions here he liked that the fact that the number one was really strong and it wasn't just another number one great we need our number ones to be strong and keeping the captains on their feet like we've had in previous star trek yeah well one of the things too that the number one mentioned was he started to say uh you you know you've always taught us that you can't let your emotions rule you and in this case you're letting your emotions rule you because you want to get to chakotay yeah and so he feels that because of that, he can't carry out the order. And I think he's right. I, th- I thought that was a good little bit of writing. He's correct in that, in that, in that fashion. But still, it was a little unexpected because most of the time you see something like that, but the captain still gets their way or whatever. But in this case, it's nah, not so much maybe. It's like the Kobayashi Maru test, which is all about getting into neutral zone or not. Uh, there's no mm-hmm. right or wrong answer. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here, Greg, because... While the number one was correct, I think Jamie was correct as well, Vice Admiral Jamie, because she says, you know, if the protostar goes in there and the Romans got hold of it, they have got um, an amazing tactical advantage. I don't, I don't know if she says it's a weapon or not, but if they get hold of that, they probably could turn it into a weapon. So she can't let that happen. Plus, the the uh, the protostar, the literally remodulates its shield so it won't get picked up. I thought that was an easy, lazy bit of writing. Actually, yeah, I'm too. pretty sure the Romulans yep. could see through that. I'm sorry. You ever heard of this? Sounded too sensors? easy. Yeah, they never actually really did it, but they, but the captain O'Connor, O'Connor, whatever, brought brings it up again. Being a smuggler, I'm thinking, okay, so he's a smuggler. Maybe he gets around it. Or he knows a couple tricks. So yeah. I kind of let that one slide, but it was still a little too easy, right? You know, like, oh, yeah, we're just going to do this. And, of course, the Romulans aren't going to figure any of this out. And I'm like, mm, yeah, a little weak. This is another reason why I thought it was before the Romulan resettlement, because after that, they're allowed to, after the disbandment of the Romulan Star Empire, as we know it, they're allowed to use cloak again in the future. Uh, you'll see cloak in, in Star Trek 3 and 4 of Discovery. Not overly used gray, to yeah. be fair. But it is a thing, and it should have been a thing. It should have—is uh, it Treaty of Alderaan? I'm not. I was never really a big fan of that, but I guess it. Yeah, I it made for good story writing, I guess. Well, the other thing they always say too is that cloaking uh, always has takes an awful lot of power. So yeah. if they're going to get into a battle, they can't stay cloaked. It's impossible. Mm, it's, um, uh, we could get a whole debate. You kind of can do that. It's almost perfect. Yeah, but it, it does make sense because Cemetar. otherwise you'd have cloaked ships shooting each other all the time. Semitar, you know? Yeah, yeah, but that. But you're now you're getting into that was a one-off Kelvin stuff, and it, no, that wasn't Kelvin. That was Star Trek Nemesis. No, it, start, it, it started as Nemesis, and then it crossed over to to Kelvin. Um, oh, the cloaking well. Remember, yeah, I remember they yeah. used the, they used the whole excuse for 
what happened. And I was never a fan of that. Nemesis was a is not a great movie. No, um, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It wasn't one. It wasn't one of the poorest, but it wasn't one of the best either, in my opinion. Um, it's because it was an even movie, and we all know the or odd movie. Yeah. Sorry, we all know the how that works. I mean, um, it was the it was the weakest of the TNG stuff. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, until, until Picard season two came along, but that's another story. Yeah, we're not getting into that. <laughs> uh, we then we then see three Romulan warbirds decloak. Uh, I said uncloak. Doesn't sound as cool. Decloak. Yeah. Um, decloak. And yeah. they literally warn the vice admiral and then it just finishes now great notes here cliffhanger um i don't like the way that just ended like that i mean i would like a to be continued or something that's going to be the case just ended a bit rom was warning them and then that was it finished i was like i'm i'm used to more at the end but you know yeah, well i i did it the good thing about it is it was it was so well done the episode that i was actually waiting for the next thing to happen and then all of a sudden the credits pop up and i go like oh damn it's over <laughs> it's like Don, yeah, it but, surprised uh, me. Yeah. Now I'm really gonna be curious because I like I like the idea of the cliffhanger in when it's when it's needed. Now they've got to come up with a with a logical good way of how they're getting out of this one next week. So yeah. this is gonna be a little proof of the pudding when it comes to writing. If they do something dumb, you and I are definitely gonna call them out for it. Oh if hell yes. Right. If they do something reasonable, then at least we can, you know. We we, we will it. always rip them a new one, and chief of the ripping of the new one is Mister Gray here. He will always be the captain of that um, because he literally takes no shit. And quite right, Gray's got a lot more just, Trek experience than me. He doesn't I'm, suffer fools lightly. I'm Gray the Ripper. Gray the what? I like that. <laughs> no. Gray Gamer Twenty Five, Mister Gray, <laughs> Professor Gray, Gray Ripper. Okay. <laughs> I have too many names. I can't keep track. Wow, the man of many talents. Um, so yeah, uh, Gray gives us an eight point five out of ten. You might know something. I'm going to be lazy and I'm going to join him. Eight and a half out of ten, maybe even approaching a nine. Um, it was it was perfectly paced. It was suspension was building up, building up. I mm -hmm. loved the interaction between the the protostar crew and the dauntless crew. <laughs> Bloody hide and seek, the worst yeah. game of hide and seek ever. Um, good writing. Um, yeah, I, I was a massive yep. fan. You were a massive fan as well, Gray. Another good episode yep. in, in the can. Yep, as they if they can hold this kind of quality and generally speaking through the whole first season, they they pretty much have. Um, I can't even think out of all the episodes I've watched so far, Prodigy. I really can't think of any episode that was like bad. No, I mean they might, some sevens. might have been a little less right. Right, some sevens, which is fine. I mean, but nothing more. Still good. You know, but to hold that consistency of that or better is me to me marks marks it as a good show. Yeah, if it's below seven, yeah. it's not a good episode. Doesn't mean it was awful. You know, you can, you can have like a six and it's okay, not great, but that's not good enough for us in terms of Star Trek writing because we got such high standards. So seven, yeah, you seven is the six, minimum. You got to start. Yeah, you got to start frowning a little bit if you get to a six. Yeah, um, God help you if you go below a six. Forget it. If it's, it's eight like, or nah. above, Gray and I have loved the episode. Basically, is where we're coming from. Seven so, is like decent or tolerable. Could have done and, better though, in, yeah. a, in a good way. In a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, of course, eight and above is that much better. I, I, I don't think Gray will ever give any episode, with exception of. That one Lord Dex episode on DS9, a 10 out of 10. Just so, so, so hard to hit that. Everything needs to go perfect. And after all, people and writers are not perfect. So for them to even hit that one episode, 10 out of 10, respect. 
That's not a bad thing. It's not a knock. It's just yeah, yeah. good writing's hard to it, come it, by. I mean, ten. I mean, a ten shouldn't be handed out frivolously. You, oh, you've got to no. really outdo yourself. I might go as high as a, even a nine point five, but I'm I'm not going to go ten unless it's just a, one of those episodes that just clicks. Yeah, a ten. And, a ten for no. me might just be once a season at the very most. Maybe maybe even once a series. Uh, it can be really really mm. rare to hit that. Uh, so yeah, we're both big fans. Um, we're going to wrap it up there, Mr. Greg. Um, we'll do the usual call to arms as always. Um, as always, if you like the videos, please let us know by liking below, uh, subscribing as well. Thank you, Greg. I don't need to animate or anything now because you just do it for me. You're just such a guy. Um, we will put um, the description of that Star Trek um, Voyager intro below in 4K in the DS9 one. It's the same guy that does them. Um, but of course, if you don't want to see our ugly mugs, we do have this podcast out on all audio platforms, whatever you listen to, whether it be Spotify, Amazon, whatever, just search for the trip when there and you'll find it. Download the audio side. Uh, you can reach us on the Trekway on Twitter. And obviously Gray as well. We Gray and I uh, on his pod cover entertainment in general. There is a lot of sci-fi uh, and sciencey stuff on that, a lot of fantasy. It's called Gray's Green Room. We're recording another episode of that on Sunday. Sorry for being away for a while. Um, and you can get him on the Twitter at the Grey's Green Room as well as YouTube and uh, audio podcasts for that. And last but not least, um, extremepcuk.co.uk for our gaming pod that we do with Mr. Nick. Um, we'll be doing that later t- tonight as well. That's the gaming side of things. So we cover all bases here. Uh, but I think that's us for, for now, Great, Thank you for coming along, yep. mate. And until the, sure. the next time, do your thing, Gray. Live long and prosper. See you later, guys. Bye-bye.